Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. And Julie, it is March the 22nd. Yes. And we have a great week prepared for these guys. And we're going to be talking about a topic that seemed to be coming up quite a bit. Now, this topic is essentially designed, and we're going to start this in earnest tomorrow. But the gist of the product is, or the topic is rather, how do you move from being essentially somebody that's, <laughs> I was going to, I don't know how to say this nicely, but someone who thinks they're full-time but actually are only a part-time agent based on the results that they're getting. Mm-hmm. A new agent that basically is straddling a full-time job and wanting to be a full-time agent. So in essence, the information that we're going to give this week is relevant to a lot of you who are wanting to get into real estate full-time but aren't in real estate yet. But also those of you who claim to be in real estate full-time but you're acting or getting the results of a part-timer. Both of you will benefit from this week's podcast. And even if you're a full-time top producing agent, as a lot of our personal clients are, you're going to have people that are coming to you and wanting to know how they go from being part-time to being full-time. And how do I know this is true? Because as my beautiful wife and I have been predicting since the start of COVID, which is almost exactly, here's a freaky fact, one year ago. How about that? I know that because I got a pandemic for my birthday last year. You did. You got a pandemic. March 12th, Julie got a pandemic. That's true. That was the official start to the whole thing. That's where everything started. All the wheels came off the wagon. That's funny. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. But at that very moment, well, maybe about a month later, it seems like everyone and their brother started enrolling in real estate schools and getting their pre-licensing yeah. done. And we, and I know, I know, I'll tell yeah. them about that in a second. And then that, so that the, there is an absolute tsunami of agents that are getting into the business. And we told you guys this was going to happen. And it wasn't like we had some sort of crystal ball. When people are sitting at home and they're worried about their employment and they're worried about their financial security, they're going to think about how do they create more, you know, interdependence from having to be dependent. And so real estate is generally attracted a lot of those who have entrepreneurial angst as it should. And as a result, there is an unprecedented number, like I think the largest surge in new licensees is expected over the next 12 months or less. And I say 12 months. Uh, Wall Street Journal article. Oh, no, I read that. Yeah, I read that. She's showing me a Wall Street article. Uh, well, we're going to do a, a rehash on that story on our website. But just in essence, this Wall Street Journal article is uh, talking about what, exactly what I'm saying. Um, but the moral of the story here is there are so many people getting into the business. A lot of them are going to want to know how to be full-time. A lot of you guys who are in the business who are um, obviously not necessarily doing as well as you could, this is going to be good information for you as well, so stay tuned. But before we get to that, there's a lot of things that are bubbling up uh, on the uh, news wires, real estate-wise, that we need to clear the air about. And the biggest one is this. What's it called? HOPE Act? CARES Act? The PRO Act. PRO Act, right. Yeah. And so I'll just summarize it for you guys. Um, and because Julie and I don't really want to waste a lot of your time and our time talking about it, it's never going to happen. There you go. Next topic. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I mean, here's the gist of it. If I remember correctly, they have to convince nine or 10 Republican senators to vote along with this, which is highly unlikely. But even if it were to pass, your worst case scenario um, is that uh, the, the uh, carve out is 
It's it's a um, going to make illegal independent contractors on a federal basis, which is ridiculous. But on a federal basis would make it so that independent contractors essentially all had to become employees. And now why would you want to do that? It's obviously a tax grab at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Because if you're self-employed, you actually pay less in taxes than if you're uh, – I mean because you don't have to pay the self-employment tax if you're incorporated. So what they're going to do – is they're going to force agents, and the, and the deal is going to is like this: if you are a independent contractor who is working for your broker um, as under your social security number, in other words, your commission checks are, are not going to your uh, LLC or a sub S. Most of you would want an LLC; you don't need a sub S. So, if you had an LLC and your uh, your commission came in, it wouldn't go to Bob Smith; it would go to maybe Bob Smith LLC. In that case, you are an employee of your corporation. And the brokerage was actually paying the corporation directly. So you are no longer technically self-employed because you work for you know Bob Smith LLC. And the uh, brokerage is no longer paying a self-employed person. Thus, the brokerage is no longer having to worry about making or paying taxes or treating you know Bob Smith as an employee because the actual entity that they're paying is Bob Smith LLC. Did I make that clear? Yes. So what this would do if they actually were to pass this, which is highly unlikely, it would be a boom for anybody who can help agents basically incorporate as fast as they can. Now, some of you will say, like those of you in Texas, well, I am an agent. I am not a broker. And in Texas, only uh, brokers can uh, be incorporated. Well, I'll give you two little rules with that. First of all, a you can, with your broker's permission, uh, get permission to start an LLC and have your commission checks if I understand correctly, I'm not an expert at all of this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. So if your Texas broker says that they'll sign a, basically sign a form saying, yes, we acknowledge that Bob Smith is an agent, but Bob Smith LLC, we're approving that. And so state of Texas, we now are approving this broker becomes, or this agent, you know, basically becomes a corporation and we have no problem paying the corporation directly. Again, I'm oversimplifying and I'm sure I'm screwing it all up, but that's the gist of it. So even in states where technically agents themselves, sales agents, aren't allowed to incorporate. And I don't know if there's any others other than Texas. There probably are. Probably. Yeah. But you're, there is a workaround that exists. Now, even if you're working in an environment where the brokerage uh, doesn't uh, allow that or the broker for some reason doesn't want to do that, then you, what's going to take is from the state level, they would just make it so that agents could then incorporate like they do in pretty much every other state. So your worst case scenario would probably never actually uh, come to play. That's the reason I don't think, honestly, this is a story even worth reporting on. It's just another one of those things that gets people worried and gets them focusing on the wrong thing, which is being of service to other people and learning how to be listing agents. It's it's yes. it's the hype train, basically. Indeed. Well, there's always got to be some hot topic out there, right? Well, I mean, so. agents seem to love, and again, you can read this on Inman, you can read this on, Club, you know, listen to this on Clubhouse. Agents l- love to be looking at the sky for the meteor that's going to take them out. That's yeah. That seems to be like their favorite activity. Yes. They're constantly looking for reasons why to think they're going to, you know, essentially the industry is going to fail. And if you guys are of that mindset, you're going to have to ask yourself why you're constantly looking at the sky for that meteor, which is going to be the extinction of real estate agents. And the answer is, is because you're looking for a reason not to commit to doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Isn't that the bottom Indeed. line, Mrs. Terrace? Yes. But speaking, speaking of meteorites, I have to maybe have a cautionary tale. Almost... <clears throat> Excuse me. Almost every coaching call I've had today, and you can tell my, my voice I'm on the phone pretty yeah, much all day. <laughs> Sorry, not a hairball. Um, let's see. Has been. You're not going to believe this. I'm seeing two percent or one and a half or choose your on the buyer agent on the side. buyer agent side. Yep. 
And and I'm hearing that not just from like buyer's agents complaining about it, because of course they would, but also I have heard from virtually everybody I've talked to today on the listing side that sellers are wising up and saying, you know what, why are we going to have to pay that when we know it's going to sell right away? So I want you, my listing agent, to only offer X percent or X flat fee. And what are you going to do? Not take the listing because you're outraged over that? No, you're going to see what the market will bear. And so, you know, from a coaching standpoint, my question is always, all right, so we're launching a listing like that. Are you having any fewer showings? So far, the answer is no, because the demand is outstripping the supply. Again, how long has Julie, how long have Julie and I been telling you guys that buyer agent commissions would be on the chopping block? Four or five years, right? Haven't we been saying that? We've done over 2000 podcasts. We've been podcasting since 2014. We've been letting all of you know that we did not see in a competitive market uh, that was that was even favoring sellers even more, how that the entitlement to a buyer agent commission as part of the transaction was going to be left standing, especially as the technologist tries to squeeze bips out of every deal, basis points, right? Yeah. And builders were the first to cut to it, right? They're like, yep. uh, no, we're not going to be paying that unless sometimes if you register your client. But in most cases, they have waiting lists. Um, who did I talk to today? One, uh, one of our clients said that uh, yes, uh, this was in Reno. You can build, but you're going to wait a year before we even start. And there are multiple bids on that particular lot. Well, so, so I mean, why would they pay a buyer side for that? So let's further with our uh, prognostication. This is going to be the trend. It's going to become even more aggressive in the major metropolitan areas where buyers agents are not only going to have a harder time finding houses, getting their offers accepted, but now they're going to have to take a pretty sizable pay cut. We do think that trend's going to continue as long as it maintains such a uh, bias towards sellers, which means, guys, three to five years. Really, I, that's what we really think. Yeah. Now, it could be two to three years, but it's years. It's not months. There is no bit. There are no storm clouds on the horizon. There is going to be no real estate crash. There is not going to be any sort of price correction. If there were going to be, as we have told you in the past, and even several times warned you incorrectly that we thought a correction was coming, we told you why we thought what we thought, and we also told you afterwards why we were wrong. And right now, what we've done is we've, you know, frankly, we went to all of our most deeply rooted contacts inside the banks, inside the government, frankly, and asked the people, are they seeing any really, really warning warning signs of a real estate crash? The answer is no. And that would be notice defaults. That would be like, you can't even really count on notice defaults. It would be the people missing their first payments. Because the first payment in California, for example, that's supposed to trigger a notice of default, but the banks don't always do it. So you can't really count on publicly reported information. You have to know people in the actual servicers then to have them share with information with you as to what they're actually seeing. And that's what Julie and I were able to do. And we're seeing no increase. And some of you are saying, what about all these mortgage uh, forbearances that are coming off? If And I don't want to, we talked about this in past podcasts and you guys need to listen to it. But there are going to be some people that go into foreclosure as a result of that. But I doubt if it's going to ever materialize as true distressed real estate because there's going to be every uh, impetus on the bank's part to work out some sort of creative deals with all those people. So bottom line, no distressed train is headed towards any station. So stop packing your and bags. If and when that happens, believe me, you'll hear about it from us. Don't For you think sure. we would you know, talk like about it? Like a year in advance. And we'll definitely tell you. Any cracks in the market, you're going to hear about that. Okay. Well, but, so, but yeah. Julie, just to put a finer point yeah. on all this, the bottom line is, mm-hmm. is that the tougher times are here for buyer's agents and it's yes. just getting tougher. I would agree with that. Some of our discussions have been on the very low inventory, like virtually no inventory. Uh, a couple of flavors of this. We're seeing that here in our home market, which is Puerto Rico, which a lot of people don't even consider. But here's the thing. 
it's such low inventory that yes, it's beyond FSBODOM. There are sellers, one of our friends did that, you know, there was no agent involvement. They just put it on Facebook and it sold in like four hours with he, six he offers. He said he had, was it six? It was six offers in four hours. Yeah. And, and he, went way over list. And just to put a finer point on that point, he listed it at $7 million on Facebook and it ends up selling for close to $8 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with And I thought this was crafty with an NDA, non-disclosure agreement from the final buyer because they didn't want to disclose anything and then get themselves outbid, which I thought was they crafty. They didn't want the seller basically the seller to trying to put them in a bidding war because people would have yeah. probably paid more. I think they probably would have. I yeah. mean, if you get that much action in four hours, you can probably. Yeah, yeah but I, he, he, he yeah. did the right thing, I, I, I think. I think so too. Who I mean, knows? You you're from now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Jules, so we have to remind them. Guys, listen, we're doing webinars this week. We're going to do three webinars and we're inviting you to join the webinar. Webinars where I'm going to be interviewing uh, usually six or eight of our top producing agents. So they're all longtime coaching clients. And we're going to be essentially talking about what they're doing now to make money, what they're doing now to generate leads. And all you've got to do to join that event is just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. Text that to 855-685-1045. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 855-685-1045. Again, just text the word H-A-R-R-I-S. Do that now to 855-685-1045. And when you do, we're going to text you back um, a link and you just click on the link and you schedule your day and your time and then you attend the event. And uh, the feedback on the event is fantastic. And I think what we're going to start doing is um, we're going to start doing a series of uh, interviews like that on a rotating basis where I have new guests so you guys can start hearing from all of our great coaching clients and frankly, a lot of them associated with us, uh, with our EXP group from all over the world. Because did I show you this map, Julie? Did I show you this interactive map that Trevor made? Well, you'll love this. Check this out. Oh, not that one. It's this one. Look at this. It's a pin map showing where we yeah, have. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that cool? Huh. So that's a pin map of showing. And this, and this is real data, too. Right? Wow, Puebla, so, Mexico, which we've actually Mo- been to. Monterey. Look at all these. I'm showing Julie huh. a map of North America. But, Julie, this isn't even. We have now people in our Libertas group that are in Europe. We have some in France. Oh, this is the Libertas group. This is just oh, the Libertas group. Oh, cool. So these are all. So we have. We wow. have. Look. Just look. The only places we don't have Libertas agents, according to this, are Maine. That's it. There, that's Canada. Every other state, oh, looks like we don't have any in Nebraska. If you're in North Dakota. Oh, no, I know we do. I sponsored somebody there. If you have somebody, if you have, if you're in Nebraska and you're thinking about joining EXP, give me a call so you can finish out so we can start uh, being in all 50 states. That's really cool. Yeah, see? What a cool graph. There's there's four in uh, Arkansas, but they're way on the border. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, if you guys want to talk to us about joining EXP and you want, Hmm. and you're looking for their, uh, what hopefully you'll agree are um, some of the best sponsors. Please do consider Julie and I, and you can text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. This isn't complete because we have people in uh, Puerto Rico that. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I work, I'm just kind of covering some of the coaching topics from today. And then uh, starting tomorrow, we're going to talk about the rules to earn full-time income on a part-time schedule, whether that's part-time by choice or just by how you're acting, <laughs> trying to fix that for you guys. Okay, so we were talking about uh, seller's ability to just basically do it themselves is a manifestation of an extremely tight uh, seller-driven market. So that's one flavor is being able to actually just do it yourself completely. Um, The other thing I'm hearing is from our actual for sale by owner prospectors is that the immediate follow-up 
the time has been compressed. So it used to be that you'd talk to them first time the sign went in the yard, and then you'd follow up after a weekend, and a couple of weeks later, they're ready to go. So they're having to follow up not in two-week increments, but in two- or three-day increments, and make sure that they basically are there when that seller is ready to actually negotiate. The point being that right now, more than ever, it is critical for you to make yourself and keep yourself relevant especially to your own database, because I'm seeing a lot of, uh, I don't know if you want to call them pocket listings or private deals or, you know, sellers able to do it without agents. You've got to be the reason that the deal comes together. So many examples of our clients calling their database and saying, uh, let's see, some of our Long Beach uh, coaching clients are doing a fun little promotion called Guess What Your Home's Worth. (laughs) That's a great idea. Isn't that a great idea? It's so simple. And who's not going to want to play that game? You know, I have this visual. Someone's walking past one of those spinning things where there's balls in yeah, it, right? Yeah. Or when there's dollar amounts written on one. And mm-hmm. let's say the dollar amounts start like 800000 in yep. Long Beach. And they just grab one and said, yep, that's probably yep, right. probably right. <laughs> right. Not up to choose your number. But that's the promotion that they're doing. The, the point is that you have got to stay relevant because this probably will get tighter before it loosens up. You know, just the generate. You talked last week about the uh, the the pressure from the size of the you know millennials plus Gen Z all wanting to buy houses right now, and the availability of money to them and lower interest rates. So yeah, I think it's probably going to tighten before it loosens. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely. I mean, interest rates. If that's what was your question, I was writing something down. Well, Sorry uh, about <laughs> inventory getting tighter. And, oh yeah. I mean, the fact that they like that Wall Street Journal thing said. There are more licensed agents now, to your earlier point that everybody's getting licensed, than there are active listings on the market. So you're going to get two things, uh, less inventory and more competition all at the same time, which is even more pressure to, you know, be a listing agent. Well, that is ultimately the punchline. Yeah. When you hear these horror stories from agents, the, just the sort of the, mark, the abuse that the market's giving them, yes. it's always on the buyer side. On the, on the listing side, you're not hearing any of them really. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. You know, like Colette was, uh, I heard her say today, oh my gosh, I put something for sale and I got 14 offers I got to wade through, you know? <laughs> yeah, poor thing. Poor right? thing. I know. Uh, whereas on the buyer agent side, it's like, it's a never ending, um, you know, it's not going to get any better either. No. Look, there. so the question then really becomes, and this is the freaky thing, mm-hmm. and maybe we shouldn't be saying this or I shouldn't be saying this, does the market really need buyer's agents anymore? Well, that's kind of what I was drilling down at. Yeah. I mean, I think in some cases... They do, but the the more compressed the inventory gets, you know, what are we already seeing? We've se- we've seen builders taking away commissions. We've seen agents putting in for a smaller buyer agent co-op. We've seen buyers go direct to the listing agents. We've seen for sale by owners be successful. What other evidence do you need that that's starting to dry up? And the other thing that's fascinating to me is the value proposition that a buyer's agent would offer, which in my opinion is legitimate, right? I believe There's so no too. doubt a buyer's good agent. Good ones, yes. A good one, a good buyer's agent definitely is going to you know, make the transaction better on behalf of the buyer. But in market conditions like this, where the commissions are getting compressed on the mm-hmm. buyer agent side, and where frankly buyers are quickly figuring out they need to go to the seller directly yep. in order to get uh, to better increase their likelihood of getting a house, because these buyers they're not stupid and they're able to go online and they're able to read how mm-hmm. commissions work and they're knowing that well why should I screw around with the buyer's agent if I can go directly to the seller? And that used to be only in the upper ends of the markets that you'd see that, but now you see it happening in all price ranges. Now, I'd say I would venture a guess that first-time buyer price ranges, you're not going to see it that much. But I bet anybody else in any of the inter- you know, the move-ups yeah. and the move-ups, they're going to definitely be – your competition is the listing agent. Your competition is going to be the educating – The buyer themselves in a sense. Right. Well, so if I were a 
basically not if I didn't have my listing game on, what I would do is I would definitely make buyers agents or buyers start to sign buyer agency contracts. Yep. And I would start making sure every single one of them were obligated to me for at least 180 days. Maybe I put an easy exit non-performance clause in there. Yeah. Like we have, frankly, we have Yes, that. but you better be using a buyer presentation and show your value or they're never going to sign it. And so that's the thing in our coaching product, in our coaching program, Premier Coaching, we actually have a done for you buyer agent presentation. Just It's not, you know, it's a, it's like the listing presentation, right? But it's trying to sell a buyer into why they're going to work with you. And in doing so, the close is going to be their sign a buyer agency agreement. They're also going to sign a, a, a proposed buyer net sheet. And they're going to see what all the expenses are. And they're going to see basically how you get paid. But then that conversation is over with. And they've committed to buy from you for 180 days. Some of you are so sheepish about having those contracts signed. But here's what it's going to do for you. A, it's going to, if that buyer performs, it's going to guarantee you get paid. That's a good thing. But B, it's also going to take out the buyers that aren't serious. The buyers that are waffly and, you know, if the wind blows a slightly different direction one Secretly day. Secretly working with someone else. Or somebody, many somebody else's. Um, and they're just, you know, whatever. You're going to basically weed all those guys out, which means ultimately you're going to have fewer buyers to work with, which is a good thing because the buyers that are going to be left standing are the ones that are also going to be willing to get completely pre-approved for the sake of purchasing a house. Now you've got something. So if you've got to work with buyers because you don't know yet how to list houses, well, obviously move towards listing houses, but start being a heck of a lot more particular about what you expect out of those buyer agent relationships. You know, you can't in many markets, which is crazy to say, there's no negotiating. No, <laughs> you know, there, there's no, there's no negotiating. There's going to be no unsatisfactory conditions. There's going to be no contingent on appraisal. None of the, the buyer basically right now in many markets has no leverage. None. Okay. So where is your value? Okay. So you've got value in finding them something in the first place. Yes, they can go online, but most of that will be in contract by the time they discover it or get a showing. It's finding them something in, in, you know, in the first place, which means you've got to look, you know, outside of your MLS. That's a big hot topic right now is how to find inventory that's not in the MLS. So that absolutely provides value. Well, we did podcasts and podcasts. Tons of podcasts on that. The best information we have on how to find your own inventory is definitely going to be on Premier Coaching. Yes, absolutely. And we talk about it every day on Facebook Live sessions. So that provides value, but also negotiating the winning contract. And that's got a whole you know toolbox that we teach as well. So I'm running out of time or I would elaborate for you. Well, but um, again, if you're in Premier Coaching, make sure you're attending the daily semi-private coaching call and ask these questions. Questions and we have lists of ways you can go and create or find hidden inventory. So the thing that you're not understanding, everyone, please listen to what your head coach here is saying. We're actually Julie's head coach. <laughs> she got that title a few years ago. Is that the um, there is inventory out there? It's just not on the MLS. There are homes out there, but they're just not getting listed in the places that only lazy agents look. So you're going to have to be a lot more creative knowing where to look for homes for sale. Like we were talking about this mm-hmm. this morning on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, depending, first of all, there are expires no matter how hot the there market are. is. And if you go back to the late, uh, like October through January, and you pull up all the expires for your entire MLS, what you're going to discover there in many markets, there are thousands of them. Now, don't quite try to disqualify what I'm saying by saying, you know, there's no no expireds. It's only there were no expireds if you're looking in a tiny little sliver of the market. And or a sliver of time. Right. So look for an expansive period of time, but pay special attention to the ones that expired at the end of the year into the beginning of this year because every single one of those sellers would have said the same thing. Well, I mean, they I would say 80% of them would say, we're going to relist in the spring. So how many of those sellers have relisted and is it springtime? Yes. And I bet you if you were to go back and start now, what are we asking you to do? Call. 
Not yeah, email, yeah. not text, not mail a letter, not you have to call. You're going to have to learn how to be a real salesperson. We're not, Julie and I are uh, sales trainers. We're teaching you guys how to sell. We're teaching how to present. We're teaching how to compete. We're teaching how to win. That's what we do in our coaching program. We don't need to use like nicey, nicey words, though sometimes we do. Like we won't say prospect, we'll say proactive no, no. lead generation. Don't scare them. <laughs> don't scare them. But you are prospecting. And in a market like this, you can see that the agents who are making the money are the ones that know how to do the real work. Um, and that's always going to be true. And if you want any further, if you want to validate what I'm saying, go to any top producing agent you know and ask them where their last 10 closings came from. I can almost guarantee you it all came from a listing. Yes, absolutely. The listing agent always wins. So I think we probably need to wrap yes or no. Uh, no, you can okay. give well, points. So we were talking about bringing value as a buyer's agent. One of the topics we've been talking about in coaching is, for example, the frustration that so many buyer's agents have that their client isn't winning. Well, what causes that? And a lot of common commentary is, well, we came in as high as we could and you know, we had an escalation clause and we waived the appraisal, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so there's all of these extenuating circumstances for each of those little things. One of which is, the, let me show you this, this value as a, from the buyer side, okay? So one of the mistakes that buyer's agents are making using an escalation clause. So point number one is not every state is allowing escalation clauses anymore. So know what your local rules are. I think in Texas, for example, it's been banned. But assuming that you're able to do it, or whatever version of it you're doing, here's what agents are doing. They'll say, my client will pay $1,000 higher than the highest and best that we're competing with up to X. So what have you just done there? You have just told the listing agent and the seller what your top price is. If someone else says the same thing and is a dollar more than you, you automatically lose, okay? So what should you do instead? Well, you know, I don't want to make them super overpay. We have to put a cap to this somehow, right? So instead, you simply say they'll pay $1,000 higher than the highest and best bona fide offer. Let the listing agent counter you for that and say no if it's too high versus automatically losing because you're not high enough. You see the strategy yeah, yeah, to that? Good. Okay, so here's the thing. Most buyer's agents aren't thinking like that. They think, all right, we're just going to lay it all out there because we have to compete and we'll go up to this if we have to. Well, you've just revealed what your top is. And maybe that's good, maybe it's not, but at least have the opportunity to say no if it is too high or keep yourself in the running or accept. So the one thing I'd be critical of what you said, yeah. and this is all, Please. it's all mindset, is yeah. the uh, idea that a buyer's overpaying. Yeah. I don't think that that's, that can't be true. Well, okay, let me, let me clarify not overpaying in the sense that, I mean, I'm with you. The market will the bear market. what it is. I'm talking about because the buyer doesn't have the funds to go that high. Oh, That's different. Sure. Overpaying in the sense that they just can't hack it. So you and I had an interesting conversation about, yes, we talk about all this stuff when we're not working. We're yeah. about? <laughs> Although you and I had an interesting yeah. night. You asked me, is it possible that a buyer could ask the seller to give them a second mortgage for a certain amount of money, to make up partial the owner financing, to make up the difference? The answer is yes. Matter of fact, you remember how we, on our, yeah. on our second uh, house that we bought, we didn't have enough money for the down payment because it was a weird condo, remember? Yep. And the and we didn't have enough. We only had like ten percent down. The lender went twenty percent yes. down. So the seller gave us a ten percent second mortgage mm -hmm. that we paid off when we eventually went to sell the That's condo. Right. Or we may have paid it off before. Yeah, then. and that was all disclosed, and right. that was all written down and recorded in a normal lien, just like you would with a regular mortgage. So we'd make a payment yeah. to the primary mortgage on the primary. You know, the, the it was Huntington, I remember. Mm -hmm. And on the second one, we were obviously paying it to the seller. You guys can. You need to learn how to be creative and learn how to negotiate. And yes, the second. Second mortgage 
uh, the payment will have to uh, go against the people's financial ability to qualify. But generally speaking, you're not talking about a big number. No, especially now. And so how do you sell that to the seller and sell that to the listing agent? Well, you're going to be paying some marginal, small, tiny rate of interest on that loan. So, and that is a loan. So if the, for example, the buyer, you need to go 25,000 over, your buyer doesn't have it. Uh, You ask the seller to give you maybe a seven-year balloon mortgage or a 10-year balloon mortgage on the 25 grand, and maybe you agree to pay them 2% or something like that. Guys, these yeah, are but, the... T- but hover there, because I think some of them have their hair blown over them. Well, that's like, okay. Okay, so here's the thing. that So people will say, well, why would a seller ever want to do that? That's not as good as getting the $25,000 cash. Oh, yes, it is. It's better because they're making interest on it. I would actually say it's better to get the cash, but if the agent doesn't have, if the seller, yeah. if the buyer doesn't it's have It's better the cash, than losing the deal. It's better than losing the deal, yeah. Yeah, and I my question also was, so that's for purposes of paying over, you know, value. So do you know why it's better for the seller to get the yeah. cash? Because if it's a second lien holder, they can't foreclose. That's true. Yeah. So if the if the uh, buyer were to stop paying on that second yeah, it's loan, risky. the buyer uh, the seller is going to have but the seller is going to have a lien on that house yeah. if it ever does sell. So even if the buyer does, stiff I think them, they could get paid, assuming that there's equity in it, just like a mechanic's at, lien would have to get sale, paid though, at, at the sale. sale. Yeah. yeah. So they're not just blowing in the wind. Right. It's, so, it's like I said, it, it does actually get recorded. So if the buyer never actually, just to be clear, guys, if the buyer ever on the listing agent side, I'm speaking to you, listing agents, if you construct a deal like that, you could even that even propose that to buyers agents or even buyers if you're working with them directly and say, you know, I don't have 50 grand to go over or whatever. I'm just tapped out. Well, the second mortgage structure, just like what we said, then then let's say the your seller is saying, well, what if this buyer never pays me? It's a second mortgage and I can't actually, you know, foreclose on him. Well, it's a lien against the house. And when they go to sell it, which is going to be what, five to seven years, that lien is going to have to be paid off. Um, and yes, you can then also charge the missed interest payments as well. And this is all because it's a, you know, as Julie said, it's all a legally documented. Everything's yeah, on the surface. Title yeah. companies can handle it for right. you. Right. So you got to think really far outside of the box, but it's kind of funny to think about. You usually use those tactics when you're dealing with a really bad buyer's market, right? Not yeah. a seller's market. Now it's more of a save when you've gotten your buyer in contract and they're over their head and the deal's going to die. Yep. This is more of like, okay, we can make this work if we do it this way. Yep. So that, you know, there's a lot of these tools that, you know, you've got to get out of your toolbox now in order to get anything to stick. I mean, how many buyer's agencies keep banging their head into the wall thinking, well, something's got to win here if we just keep going over. There's so many more ways to craft a deal. Well, but it goes it, back- I mean, part of it's finding the finding the inventory in the first place. There was a discussion we had about, OK, so my buyer has to have this neighborhood and they have to have this kind of house. Okay, so just for fun, why don't you show them the neighborhood next to it right. with a slightly different style house that's maybe $10,000 even less money because it's the neighborhood next to it. You can't be so stringent in what you're trying to figure out. It's, so there's an old, like if you ever walk into a house that you're showing, and um, I remember Rory told us this, Julie, yeah. and let's say it's the ugliest, smelliest, you know, cat box you've ever walked into mm-hmm. of a house. And if you haven't experienced it yet, it's waiting out there for you to sh- next time you show properties. Cat pee house. You're going to walk in, it's going to be like this has got to be someone's playing a prank on me right april 1st (laughs) right okay so you open your mouth and you actually say what you think you're gonna uh you could not only uh piss the the buyer off and i'll explain to you why but you're gonna lose the sale because here's why so you walk into a house and it's just the scenario i designed you know horrible everything you hate it it's the worst thing ever you don't like the location you see the power lines you whatever 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 but the buyer likes the house the buyer actually likes the decorating the buyer 
uh, evidently has COVID, so they can't smell the cat pee. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so what I'm all I'm trying to say, I'm trying to make you guys laugh, but you do not ever give your opinion. That is not your job. You're nowhere, not buying the house. Nowhere in your opinion. You're not supposed to be the home inspector. You're not supposed to be the appraiser. You're not supposed to be the decorator. All you're supposed to do is open the door and shut up and let them make their own decisions. And you guys are often the ones, the reason that the house isn't getting sold because true. you're giving your opinion. Well, you're because you're creating an objection when they didn't even have one in their head. As, especially for those of you, and, and I'm married one, so I say this with love, <laughs> analytical types. You think yeah. you have to rationalize your commission by acting like your junior home inspector, appraisal, decorator, uh, you know, contractor. Just shut up. Open the, ha- open the door to the house. This is the same thing that happens when you're negotiating. Because mm-hmm. when you're negotiating, all of a sudden it's your opinion that matters more than what the buyer wants. The buyer wants to buy the house. The buyer does not necessarily about... Uh, care about saving every last nickel and dime. It's your ego that's making this transaction harder than it needs to be. Because, and you know what? The buyer's right. How do I know the buyer's right? Because the buyer's your customer. You worrying about the buyer overpaying or worrying about all these other things, that's not what your buyer's asking you to do. The buyer is asking you to help them buy a house. You're overcomplicating it. You're making it so that, oh my gosh, what if they're overpaying? I mean, these things slip into our, you know, our speech patterns and it's ridiculous. And you think right now in a market like this where a buyer can lock in, just think about this, listeners. Let's say in all reality, you have a buyer that maybe overpays. And let's say next year the house goes down in value by 50 grand. Do you think that buyer's really going to care considering how low their payment is because they're able to lock in a 30-year fixed rate mortgage? Do you think the buyer's really going to care what the fluctuations and values of houses do? I know the answer is no. You know how I know? Because that buyer went out and bought a used BMW that three years later is worth half of what they paid and they lost twenty dollars or $30,000. And they don't even think about it, do they? And the same with you. So stop thinking that the most important thing to buyers is your opinion or the buyer basically saving every last nickel and dime. And I'll even go as far as to say, if you have a buyer that's looking for some sort of smoking hot financial deal, I would not work with that buyer in this market because you will just drive yourself crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to not sell something. So keep your mouth shut. Don't yeah. screw up your own deal. Do the job that you were hired to do, which helping that buyer. Now, anyone who's been in the business for a long time? I want you to ask yourself, how often have you picked up, uh, a, you know, basically um, uh, stray buyers or orphan buyers who were wanting to buy a house, who were completely approved, motivated, ready to go, and had looked at a billion houses with a, a one other agent, but the agent actually kept on, you know, walking on the deal, the deal, killing the deal, opening their mouth, and the buyer, the buyer's like, I just wanted to buy a house. I've been working with this guy for six months or this gal for six months, and she's not actually asked me to sign the contract. This goes back to the reason that a lot of you guys are frustrating are frustrating yourselves on the buyer agent side of the business is you have you don't realize that the buyer agent side of the business actually has become not just the work, I mean the physical labor part of the business, mm-hmm. but it's actually requiring more skills and more techniques than on the listing side. It used to be that buyers was working with buyers was physical labor requiring just not much more than social skills and didn't really require that much skill skill. But now on the it's flipped and on the listing agent side, they go out, they don't have to do a lot. I mean, a listing agent doesn't even have to make a brochure or put a sign in the yard. Right. It's going to sell with over a dozen competing offers in some markets. The buyer's agents are also then having their commissions attacked. So these are all the reasons why and so many more that you guys have to Become the listing agent. That's it. <laughs> Repetitively. Yes. Again, <laughs> yes. you're here to say that forever. And I think finally, frankly, Julie, the market has definitely come back to realize what yeah. you and I have been saying for the past 20 years is true. I know. It's so hard on them right now. So we're trying to help you be coachable, actually do something about it. Yep. 
So I have to get on someone else's podcast. I have to get this podcast out the door. So if you guys need us for anything, remember, you can always go to timandjulieharris.com, timandjulieharris.com. If you're finally ready to learn how to be a powerful listing agent and move your business forward because of this market, not despite of this market, Mm -hmm. do consider becoming a premier coaching client. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.